You can have a seat. And I want to start with a question. Um, do any of you get overwhelmed easily? Anybody? You can raise your hand. Are any of you overwhelmed that I put you on the spot to ask that question, maybe? Okay. Um, Megan, did you raise your hand back there? No, you didn't. Okay. Do any of you ever not tell the truth? Anyone? No, I'm just kidding. So, so I, um, <laughs> I consider myself somebody who is not easily overwhelmed. Like, I, I typically stay even keeled. I don't usually have big overwhelming moments. Um, others in my family, I won't say who, like gas prices can jump up five cents and all of a sudden it's a crisis and we've got issues. And so, but, but I'm not like, like I don't typically get there. Like that's not usually a problem for me. But a couple weeks ago, um, I found myself in a place of being completely overwhelmed. So let, let me tell you what was happening. We, we have recently moved. We sold our house over there by the cone and we moved back here into my dad's house. And so the week before that, we had rented a truck. We had got the guys together. We packed everything in the truck. We took it over to the house. We got it all in the house on that Tuesday night and we were in, we were moved in. Everything was good, right? And then a week later, I'm standing in my room. Somebody was coming to the house and I'm standing there looking at my room and I felt this sense of completely being overwhelmed because everything was out of place. I mean, there was just stuff everywhere. And, and I'm not the kind of person that really deals with that environment. I'm, I'm a super tidy person, aren't I, Megan? <laughs> Scott knows, yeah. Um, but no, really, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not an organizer. It's not who I am. And so I was standing in my room looking at this complete mess, thinking, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. I want you to be able to see some um, proof of it. So let's take a look at some of the rooms in my house. This was around that time. Here we go. Maybe. There, there's our garage. That looks good, doesn't it? Looks about like we've been moved in. Here's our dining room. So we're not doing a lot of dining room eating these days. There's our family room. We got the Christmas tree up. Christmas in June. Uh, there's our living room. You can see we have plenty of furniture if anyone needs any. And there's our, our um, laundry room there pretty full of stuff. There's an apartment room back there and you can't even walk in there. And, and there's the other part of it. So you can see why I might have been a little bit overwhelmed. Does that, did that overwhelm anyone right there? <laughs> I'm standing in my room. I didn't show you that room, but I'm standing there just thinking, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't want it to look like this, but I don't know how to change it. Um, are there anyone in, any people in here that are just big time organizers, like you get energy from organizing? Okay, I'm not that guy. Um, and, and so I was just completely overwhelmed. I found myself there again about a week ago, so twice in two weeks, something's happening here. But I found myself there about a week ago with all of the stuff that's going on around us, um, with all of the division and the hatred and, and just, the nature of what I've seen online, on TV, all over the place, I found myself kind of in the same place where I'm standing there thinking, we have such a mess going on around us. So many things are out of place. So many things are wrong in our communities, in our relationships. So many things are messed up. And I found myself 
sitting there thinking, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. Um, see, I mean, this started a long time ago. This started when, when man, when Adam and Eve decided to take their own path. But, but a few weeks ago, you guys know the story. You've, you know what's going on in the world around you. But with the killing of George Floyd and, and just the, the awful tragedy that we saw in that, the injustice that happened there, um, that breaks my heart. But then to see the way our country, and it seems like everything that happens, we react with the worst possible reaction we can. And so all of a sudden, we just became more and more divided and there was hatred. And if you posted the wrong thing or if you said the wrong thing, people got angry with you. And I just got to the point that I was overwhelmed. And I'm looking at the world around me and I'm seeing a lot of hurt and a lot of division and a lot of hatred. And I'm just standing there thinking, I don't even know where to start. I know this, we are called to be Jesus to a broken and hurting world around us. And so I feel very strongly that we need to be Christ-like and loving and that we need to be, the language we're gonna see here from 1 John is we need to be a light to the world around us, but I was standing there thinking, where do we start? What do we do? Well, 1 John, that we're gonna be looking at, we're, we're, um, we're talking about love illuminated, and 1 John is written to, the church, to a group of house churches, most likely around Ephesus, and they were going through some of the same things that we're dealing with. See, these churches had been functioning and things were okay, but then some of the people in the church decided that they didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God or the Messiah anymore, so they started to break off of the church. But it wasn't just enough to break off of the church. They wanted to, call, to cause division and brokenness in the church. And so they were actively working to, to divide. That reminds me of where we are today. I, I heard a story a few weeks ago or about a week ago um, that there was a protest and there have been protests, and some of them have been very good, and some of them have not ended so well, but there was a protest, and this actually happened just north of us up in Beaver Creek, and, and that protest for about the first five minutes was fairly tense. It, it, the, there was this angst in the air, and there was one point when people were getting into the streets, and, and the people, the police that were there um, used, I don't know if it was tear gas or smoke or whatever, but they used that to get people out of the street, and they went to the sides, and, and for about five minutes, it was tense, but then for about the next hour, there was just a peace and a unity there where people came together and loved each other and, and embraced each other. And, and, and so I heard all this from my brother-in-law who's a pastor up there and he said, I watched the whole thing. It was, there was this wonderful sense of peace and unity, but on the news broadcast, right after the, the newscaster got off the air, they accidentally had the mic on and they said, hey, you want us to send you all the pictures of the tear gas? See. There is so much working against peace and love. There's so much working at division. It's overwhelming. That's where we were in 1 John. And so, so I think, and, and by the way, before we jump into the scripture, I just want to say this. When we planned this series several months ago, we had no clue 
what was going to be going on in our world today. We had no clue the, the division. I mean, it's been around for a while, but we had no clue that everything was going to happen. And we planned this series, and I was looking at First John and thought this was going to be perfect for where we were going, and then all of a sudden, all this happened, and it was like God had put this scripture right there. In fact, I've been seeing some of these scriptures quoted over and over again on Facebook in different places because this speaks perfectly into our situation. So let's look at 1 John 1, 5 through 7. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God is light. There is no room for darkness in the holy character of God. No room for division, hatred, brokenness, darkness in the holy character of God. So God is light. And if we claim to have fellowship, if we claim to be followers of Christ, but we are living in darkness and hatred and pain and brokenness, we are not living in the light of God. And so 1 John 1, 5 through 7 tells us we are meant to live in light. So two weeks ago, I'm standing there, I'm overwhelmed. Let's fast forward a week. So now we're a week ago. Um, I, I tend to stay up late. I'm, usually my family all goes to bed and then I stay up a while, work on stuff, watch TV, whatever. And so, so about a week ago, I decided I was going to get up and I was gonna go down into the kitchen. I don't remember if I was getting a snack or maybe my heartburn medication or something, but I'm walking into the kitchen and I decided that I was gonna just not turn the light on, but I was gonna walk through the kitchen in the dark. Now let me explain what's happening. We got this big island there in the middle of the kitchen. At the end of the island, we have a trash can and that trash can is sitting on top of a step stool because our dog, not my favorite thing in the world, our dog, loves to get into the trash can and get stuff out. So we have this trash can sitting on top of this black step stool and, and it's there for a reason. Well, I walked into the kitchen that night and I'm walking over to that part of the kitchen and I notice that the, the white trash can is not there. And so I thought I was all good and I turned that corner, but I forgot about that step stool. And all of a sudden my shin reminded me that there was a step stool there and reminded me why you shouldn't try to walk in darkness. We are not meant to walk in darkness. We're meant to walk in light. And so this scripture says God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. And we are to live in the light. And so as I find myself overwhelmed by the mess in the world around us, as I find myself overwhelmed by hatred and things like that, I'm reminded that we are called to live in light. We have been given the greatest gift that could ever be given in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And the, the answer to the problems that we're dealing with is the light of God shining in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in the world around us. We were not meant to walk in darkness. We are meant to live 
and light. See, too often our solution to pain and brokenness and darkness is to react out of pain and brokenness and darkness. And we saw this in our community because it started with the unjust murder of George Floyd, but because of the way we reacted and the hatred and the anger and the darkness that came over us, more have now died. We didn't solve the problem. We've made it worse because we're not using the light of God. We're reacting in our own anger and hatred and pain. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Far too often our response to brokenness and pain and difficulty is anger and brokenness and pain and difficulty and that will never fix the problem. We need the light of God. Verse 7 and 8 is really important. And so, well, verse 7, I want to read verse 7 to you again. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have two things. We will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, will purify us from all our sin. So God is light. We are living in a mess. We find ourselves in the middle of of darkness, but God is light. And if we will live in the light of God, we'll have two things. Number one, we'll have fellowship with each other. And number two, we'll have forgiveness of our sins. Not just fellowship with each other, but fellowship with God. And number two, we'll have forgiveness for our sins. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Because no hatred or anger has ever been solved by separating ourselves and not coming together. God's love and God's light brings us together to be one. And I am a, I'm a firm believer that, that when we love God and we live in the light that God has for us, it brings us together, even in our differences. I've had several conversations over the past few weeks with people that think things differently than I do. Guess what? If we love God, and if we're living in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And those conversations haven't been hateful and haven't turned to more hurt. They've been loving and unifying. We have fellowship through the love of God and the light of God. But number two, we have forgiveness. And this is super important because if if we understand what we've been forgiven from, we can learn to forgive each other. I think far too often we in the church forget what we've been forgiven from and think that we're better than other people. But when you understand that you were born into darkness, you were born with something inside of you that was sinful and rebellious, but God has given you grace and forgiven you, it frees you to not see somebody who doesn't deserve grace, but to see somebody who needs grace. And we learn to forgive and love each other. The only way, listen to me, the only way to forgiveness, peace, and unity is through the light of Christ. It's not through political means. It's not through some, 
you know, step plan that we have. It's not through any of those things. The only way that we can truly live as we were created to live in forgiveness, peace, unity, and grace is when we live in the light of God. So it's a pretty simple answer to me, although that's not it. But it's a pretty simple answer. What do we need? We need Jesus. We do in our relationships, in our hearts, in our communities, in our church. We need Jesus. But what I love about 1 John is that it doesn't stop with just this church Sunday school answer of we need Jesus. I think sometimes we use that as a cop-out. We say we just need God in our world today. But 1 John shows us that it's more than just God in our world, but there's something happening here. And so we in the church, we often talk about holiness. In the Church of the Nazarene, we, we use the words entire sanctification, this idea that we are to become transformed to be Christ-like in our nature, that we are to be perfected in our love for God and our love for others. Not that we never make mistakes, but that we are being transformed by the light of Christ to become Christ-like. First John looks at a few different ways that this happens, and this is important. There's three parts to holiness. Number one, there's what you believe. So the problem in, in these churches is that people split off and are trying to divide people in what they believe. In order to be holy, you need to have the right doctrine. You need to know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, that Jesus came and died for our sins and was resurrected from the dead, and that God is everything, that we surrender our full self. So we believe the right things. That's a piece of holiness. Number two, there's morality. And this is probably the one that the church has focused on the most when we talk about holiness and entire sanctification for years and years. Morality, what we do and don't do. And a lot of times, holiness or entire sanctification is about what we believe and whether we're prescribing or we're living by a list of do's and don'ts. That's a part of it. We are called to live in truth to live the right way, but it's not just about what we believe, and it's not just about doing some list of good things and staying away from bad things. There's a third part, and this is what I love, this is what we're talking about today, that's that holiness is relational. Holiness is relational. Jay talked about this last week. We are called to love God, and we are called to love each other. And so we can't be holy if we're not loving each other. We tend to miss the relationship side. And sometimes you see churches full of people who claim to be holy, but struggle to love the people right next to them because they disagree. If we're gonna be the holy people that God created us to be, if we're gonna be entirely sanctified, if we're gonna be Christ-like, it's all about Believing the right things, doing the right things, but also loving as God loves. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anybody who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. 
So I love 1 John because it starts by saying, God is light, you need to live in the light. The answer that we need for our problems is light. It's God's light. But the next chapter says, God's light should lead us to God's love. And if we're not loving each other, then we're not living in light. We're not holy if we don't love the people next to us. Listen, holiness, entire sanctification, whatever term you use, Christ-likeness, leaves no room for hatred. Let me say that again. Holiness leaves no room for hatred. Absolutely none. Here's the thing. We are all created in the image of God. Scripture doesn't say that one kind of person or one color of person or one belief style of person is created in the image of God and everyone isn't. Scripture says that we, mankind, are created in the image of God. So if we're going to claim to love God with all our heart, we can't hate somebody that's made in the image of God, no matter what they believe or what they do or how different they are. We are all made in the image of God, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, um, Indian, Republican, Democrat. It doesn't matter. We are all created in the image of God. And so there can be no hatred towards our brothers and sisters if we're going to be holy. Absolutely none. There's no room for it. In fact, it goes on in chapter 3. So we saw verse, or chapter 1 says, God is light, live in the light. Chapter 2 says, if you don't love your brother and sister, you're not living in the light. If there's hatred in you, chapter 3, verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And then look at verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. That's pretty big right there. That's pretty harsh. See, sometimes we look at injustice and we look at hatred and we look at murder and we think, how terrible. But what this says is if there's any hatred in our heart, we're committing the same thing we're doing the same thing that we're condemning from somebody else. There is no room for hatred and holiness in the church and God's people. It's a serious thing. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of a broken, hurting world full of darkness and hatred? What do we do? Well, number one, we need the light of God shining in our life. Number two, we need to become the loving people of God who are holy, not just in belief, not just in action, but in our relationships and our love for others. I ran across a quote. This will probably be the only time I ever quote Beth Moore. She's, a, she's an author of a lot of women's Bible studies. I've never read a Beth Moore book or anything like that, but I, I saw this quote, and I thought this was really good this week. It said, I think maybe one of the bravest things we could do these days is to fight to keep a tender heart. I love this. One of the bravest things you can do is fight to keep a tender heart. Let me rephrase that. One of the best things, the most important things you can do is to keep a heart 
of love for others. That, that tender heart that loves others. It's so easy when we see people and hear people that think differently or when we see injustice to let our heart be overcome by anger and hatred. But if we do that, we've become no different than what made us that way. And so we have to fight to keep a pure, holy, loving heart. And so I found myself a week ago standing just like I did in my room, totally overwhelmed, thinking, where do I go? What do I do? The answer is really clear to me in 1 John. Number one, we need to shine the light of God on our hearts, on our families, on our church, in our communities, in our relationships. Number two, we need to begin to become, to continue to become, I should say, a people of love and holiness, to allow God to transform the places in my life that aren't honoring, that are messy, that are broken, so that I can be a light to others. Two week, or a, week, a couple weeks ago, I stood in my room and I was overwhelmed by this mess. You know what I did? I walked over and I picked up some clothes in a basket and I started folding them. And then I went over here and I picked up the papers over here and organized them and moved them over. And, and then I went over here and I picked this up and moved it to another room where it goes. And my house is still far from perfectly organized and neat. But I want to turn the light on. And I want to do everything I can. Not just in my house, but in my response to a broken world. I need to shine the light of God I need to allow God's light to shine in my heart, in my life, in my relationships. And if there are things that are messed up and broken, I need to seek forgiveness and I need to seek God's transformation. God will work and cleanse us. And it says in verse 7, then you'll have unity, you'll have forgiveness. I believe the thing we need more than anything else is unity in Christ and forgiveness for our sins so that we can forgive each other. Pastor Adam's going to come up and we're going to sing one last song and I just think my response today has to be a response of surrender. It has to be a response of examining my heart. It has to be a response of saying, God, shine your light. And if there is anything in me that doesn't reflect you, if there's any darkness, if there's any hatred, if there's any brokenness, heal me, Lord. Change me. Because we are to be God's light in a broken world. It's not enough to just say, oh, we need God to zap it and take care of it. We are called to live in light so that we can be light for others. And so as we sing this last song, I, every single one of us today, there is nothing more important that we can do than open our heart to God and say, shine your holy light in my heart. Take anything that isn't of you and cleanse it, Lord. And help me to live in light. Help me to live in love. We're gonna pray together and then you can stand, you can sit. We don't have altars. But it's really important today that at this point you surrender everything you have to God because we are to be holy, to live in light. Father, 
I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us now. I pray that your light would shine in our hearts, in our families, in our lives. And Father, you know the areas that, that aren't reflecting you. You know the areas of our hearts that are, are broken. You know the areas of each of our hearts where maybe there's some division and some hatred and some, some stuff that's just not right, Lord. I pray that you would shine your light on us today. I pray that each and every one of us would come to a place where we surrender our whole selves to you. And then I pray you would continue to transform us so that we could be a light, that we could fight darkness and injustice and pain, that we could be a source of your healing and your love in a world that needs it so badly. So Lord, we offer ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name.